0: This is Autism Points of View by Autism Speaks. I'm Felipe Maya. There are always topics in any community that aren't universally agreed upon, and the autism community is no different. Because autism is considered a spectrum disorder, that means that each person on the spectrum largely has an experience uniquely their own. Some have incredible intelligence and talents that they can turn into a career, while others struggle to find ways to express their wants and needs. Some are able to live fulfilling, independent lives, while others require round-the-clock, lifelong care. When I speak about a person's strengths, I just want to make it clear that even though someone with autism may have many talents, it doesn't mean they don't also have challenges. The same goes for those with profound challenges, It doesn't mean they don't also have great strengths. Then there are the family members and friends who see autism through their loved one's experience. The autism community also involves a large network of professionals, like educators, therapists, and researchers. I could go on and on about the diversity of the autism community, but the point is, all experiences should be respected. One topic that often quickly turns into a debate is how we talk about autism. There are two ways we typically do this, they're called person first language and identity first language. Person first language does just that, it separates the person from their diagnosis. So you would say, I have autism, or my son or daughter has autism. Identity first language makes the diagnosis a part of the person's identity. So you would say, I am autistic, or my son or daughter is autistic. In this episode, you'll hear from a variety of perspectives throughout the autism community, from autistic adults, to parents, to professionals. Let's start by breaking this topic down a bit more with a Delphi University professor and Autism Speaks board member, Dr. Stephen Shore.
1: There are some factions in the autism community. Uh, One of those areas of uh, division is actually person versus identity first language so for example i consider myself as an autistic individual that's identity first language so those of us who do consider us do use uh, identity first language uh, we feel that autism colors every aspect of our lives but at the same time it's not all who we are uh, and considering that autism isn't a bad thing it just kind of is then why not just be autistic as opposed to person-first? Now, getting to person-first language, there's a number of reasons that people prefer person-first language. And that is to uh, honor the person's humanity first, recognize that individual as a person who happens to have something. Originally, people did use identity-first language, but you might say for the wrong reasons. And we'd hear medical professionals and educators talk about uh, the retardate in room 201, for example, which was a very uh, disrespectful way of talking about people who we now term as having intellectual disabilities. Uh, The R word is disappearing, otherwise known as retardation, because it has gained so much stigma that it's really not usable anymore.
0: In 1974, the first self-advocacy conference was held in the U.S. During the conference, a man spoke about being labeled as mentally retarded, the diagnosis at the time for anyone with an intellectual disability. His words sparked a movement. He said, I want to be known as a person first. Robert Nassif is a clinical psychologist and author, and he experienced this cultural shift firsthand. His son Tariq was diagnosed with autism and intellectual disability in 1984, when he was five years old.
2: I'd say when my son was born, person-first language was just kind of coming in, I think. And it was a relief to me because of how stigmatizing the identity language was, because since he had cognitive disability, he was called retarded. So that kind of horrified me, and I, the person-first language which celebrated his humanity was a relief.
0: Tariq is now 39 and nonverbal, meaning he doesn't speak, but he's able to communicate his needs and wants in other ways. And while growing up, he was never able to let his dad know how he would like to identify, Robert formed his opinion from his involvement in the autism community.
2: Things started changing, and I started you know, understanding uh, him better and and the world of autism and special needs better uh i've come to prefer identity first language and i've learned a lot of that and i've been influenced by the self-advocates we don't talk about people as being a person uh uh, with italianism or a person with arab americanism (laughs) such as myself We, you know, we talk about, we can't really separate ourselves, uh, from our identity questions, so, and autism isn't really separable from the person, um, and yet, um, not every person with autism prefers, uh, um, identity first language, and I think that's fine. Uh, I think we need to respect and honor, you know, everyone, and, um, you know that's that's really the main thing, uh, but language does play a role in societal attitudes. And what I've you know come to see is that people in uh, groups such as the autistic, the blind, and the deaf tend to prefer identity first, uh, whereas people in the parent and professional groups tend to prefer person first. Although, you know, that's changing over. You know, probably right as we speak, even.
0: Many autistic advocates in the neurodiversity movement prefer identity-first language. The concept of neurodiversity was first introduced in the late 90s. It views autism not as a disorder, but as a natural genetic variation. But like Robert's son, Tariq, not all people with autism are able to express how they would like to identify. Amy Kelly is a family and community services director and mom to 17 year old Annie, who has autism and intellectual and developmental disabilities.
3: I prefer person centered language or person first language. And uh, as a mother, I prefer that. So my daughter is profoundly affected by autism and has limited language verbal skills i mean she communicates well with her ipad but um i'm essentially her her outward voice and um i noticed years ago when after her diagnosis um people didn't really know how to talk about autism around her and or even ask the questions. so i i just found i was getting um almost offended when they would say well she's autistic and I thought gosh you know Annie's so much more than her autism and that's sort of what started me as a parent understanding that and then in my professional role I've had to learn much more about um, language around disabilities and um, and I have found that I'm much more comfortable and prefer and model person-centered language. Just like autism is very different in every person. I think every person, you know, has their own opinion about this, especially if they are someone that can speak about having autism and self-advocate. It's totally their right to call themselves autistic. A
0: 2015 UK study published in the journal Autism of nearly 3,500 people with autism, their family members and friends, as well as professionals, showed that autistic people and their loved ones largely preferred identity-first language. Here's Bridget Rankowski, autistic educator and circus performer.
4: Well, I know a few people who are people living with autism because they've decided to name their cat autism. So they are living with autism. Um, But as someone who jumps in the professional, personal spheres and stuff, I'm very well-versed in this topic. And... I am autistic. It's part of my identity. It's, I view the world through the autism lens. And what other people have sometimes brought up is look at the number of words people sometimes place between the word person and autism and think about that distance and understanding that, yes, we are all people, but... Some of us are autistic and there's nothing wrong with it. I think I've seen a lot of parents and professionals who even fight me for how I refer to myself. And that goes along with the gender lines of, okay, but this is how a person is choosing to identify and it's important to respect that. I choose to use identity first language because that's how i identify it's part of my identity when i do do presentations and speeches i'll sometimes switch between the two purely because that's how my brain works and it's a jumble and but I see a lot of parents and professionals advocating for person-first language. And although that has been on the textbooks for a while, again, with the advocacy movement in some ways, starting with the parents and professionals, that was awesome. And now it's time to hand the torch over to the self-advocates and say, all right, how do you want to be referred to? Um, Who are you? And I still think with the best of intentions, Sometimes people place the onus on, well, this is how I want to view you. And understanding, especially in the autism world, that autistic uh, people are stepping up now and saying, we want to live our lives this way. We are in control of our lives. Um, we can live independently and let us identify as autistic. So I think I've seen both sides of the topic. I've taken classes on it. I've gotten my papers written on because I refer to autistic people and said people with autism. I will take those points off and submit articles in response by my peers because again, it's a community perspective.
0: According to Christy Pattenkoenig, chair and associate professor in the Department of Occupational Therapy at NYU Steinhardt, students are being penalized for using identity-first language and are taught to solely use person-first language, but she says she would like that to change.
5: We've had situations where, whether it's a journal or professional conferences, have wholesale rejected things because the professional used identity-first language. Well, my take is as a professional, right? So I um, grew up in my profession, which is occupational therapy, learning person-first language, right? That it's more respectful. And you can see why that was important. But as I've grown as a, a researcher and an educator, um, my feeling is that from person-first, first I, you ask the person. You ask the person um, and you, you really don't assume that one is going to be better than the other, you know? And I think that as professionals, we're trained, oh, person first, person first, person first, you know, but I think identity first language is really important because who is that identity first language coming from? Autistic individuals, you know, and they, they don't, they don't feel like autism is something they can put aside. They're not someone with autism, just like a person isn't someone with deafness. They're a deaf person. They're an autistic individual. If you're a professional body and you're saying, no, we're going to decide what you're going to call yourself, you should be called person first. You know, that doesn't show respect and doesn't show kind of the evolution of what's happening in the disability community.
0: Since its founding in 2005, Autism Speaks has had a policy of using person first language, following the recommendation of medical professionals and educators. But last month, we decided to survey our community on social media. We conducted a poll of our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram followers. In just 24 hours, it received 21,000 votes. It was clear, this topic is important to the community. The results were that 69% of voters said they prefer identity-first language, and 31% said they prefer person-first language. As a result of this feedback, moving forward, Autism Speaks will be using both person-first and identity-first language. Of course, first and foremost, we recommend asking the person what they prefer and to respect that. So if you're subscribed to this podcast, following Autism Speaks on social media, or see a future press release about an upcoming campaign, you may see us talk about children with autism or autistic adults. There are so many important issues facing the autism community that need attention and support, but perhaps this topic will become less of a divisive one. Here's Val Paradis, Autism Speaks Vice President of Services and Supports.
6: I find it a distraction for me and all the years I've been involved in this. And uh, it's just um, when you can't agree to disagree, which I don't think anyone ever will, um, and that's okay, (laughs) Um, that to at least allow anyone to choose what they wish. is probably again the best one can do, and um, so for me uh, personally, I use everything interchangeably because for me, I care more about acknowledging others than I do about how I represent myself. <laughs> but that's because I work in this field, so. I care that people are passionate about it. I understand that people have different wishes. Um, And I also like to ask how do you want to be referred to? Uh, How does your child want to be referred to? As have you ever asked your child? Have you ever informed your child or loved one um, that there are options? You know, I think. Um, acknowledging that it's a big question and important is critical. Um, but I feel that the time and space that's used to um, tell others that they're wrong or, um, you know, expect others to change in an environment, well, even that mirrors our own. Political environment in the country right now, people aren't going to agree to disagree. So let's turn our focus on something else that um, can, you know, move us forward in other, in other ways um, within our community because so much work needs to be done still.
1: So getting back to the history. Uh, so we started with uh, inadvertently, I would think, identity first language. And then people were being identified by their conditions, whatever they were, and it seemed to be kind of a rude way of referring to a person, uh, which is why we then saw the rise of person-first language. And it made a lot of sense, because we needed to respect people as individuals. We needed to respect their humanity. Uh, However, I think we have evolved to a point where we can see autism as a part of humanity, Autism is a part of the diversity of the human gene pool. Now, that said, as we talk about the abilities of autistic individuals, we do have to keep in mind that there are significant challenges that come with being on the autism spectrum. If those challenges didn't exist, we wouldn't have Autism Speaks and we'd all be doing something else. So we do have to address those challenges. We have to lower barriers so that the abilities of autistic individuals can shine through.
0: I want to leave you with Paul Kotler's take on this topic. Paul is the non-speaking college student we featured in episode six, who doctors thought was intellectually disabled until he learned to type. I asked him how he wants to be referred to, and his answer was short and sweet.
4: I prefer identity first language. I agree that really each individual should be asked. I have used both.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Autism Points of View. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to get future episodes as soon as they’re released. If you have a topic you would like us to cover, email us at Connect with us at autismspeaks.org. Visit our website at autismspeaks.org/podcast for past episodes and resources. This episode was written and produced by me and edited by Dax Schaefer with original theme music by Dustin Gledhill. I'm Felipe Maya. Thanks for listening.